Welcome to a special encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey, and welcome to Compassion Radio's Friday edition. Today, I want to jump into a new series. We're going to do something on Fridays that we've talked about for quite a while, and that is to kind of do a survey of the world around us. And what I mean by that is imagine yourself standing at a busy street corner, slowly doing a 360 and taking a real hard look at the world around you. It seems to be fairly consistent everywhere you and I have traveled, which is something we've mentioned on this program a number of times, that there's stuff going on in the heart of God's people that God makes available to all of his people. Mm -hmm. And if there's any indication that there's something going on in the kingdom of God in this past year, just look at your own church. God is obviously at work and maybe doing a work of disturbing us Mm -hmm. in a way to get us to pay attention to something he wants us to look at. Yeah, well, it feels a lot like a sifting that's happening. And a sifting. That's a good way of putting it. It's going to be a look at the news as well. But I'd like to start with a musical piece that really communicates the core message of what we're after today. John has a new way of looking at life. He's tired of his job, his kids, and his wife. Says the secret to his success wasn't leaving and finding himself. Now we someone to somebody else You say we've risen to a new edge of truth And you're calling it a spiritual godly pursuit But I say, I say What if we fall into the bottom of a well Thinking we've risen to the top I've been looking to a lot of good writers in the past few months to try to get some sense of what's going on emotionally, psychologically, spiritually around the world, just to have an idea of what we should be talking about on this program, how we should be praying as a ministry, where we should be spending our time going, and the kind of partners we should be pursuing Mm -hmm. today. I want to look at one particular article from a good writer, someone who is a very good study of humankind. His thesis was not a really happy one. Hmm, He's a very optimistic guy in a lot of ways, but he didn't end up optimistic in this particular article, and I want to look at why. One of the reasons why I want to tackle it today is because we're really kind of on and up. We've had a lot of joy in our family this past week and celebrate the fact we got together with all of our kids to go to a wedding together. And it was the first time in quite a while we've been together with all four of our kids and their significant others in quite a while. Yeah, it was fun. The power of reunion is definitely something we've been paying attention to ourselves. It also goes to the issue of loneliness, the idea we have in our mind of what is contentment, where our happy place is, where our happy people are. When those are missing, we're just left with an emptiness. I've met a lot of people who've been acting this past year like what they're going through is just the leftovers of their life. We know so many people who feel so isolated because of the pandemic, and many have been physically isolated from those they love the most. 
many have been isolated even within family groups because Mm -hmm. they don't feel particularly close to their family, yet they've had to stay home with those people. There's a lot to be said about how loneliness has begun to engulf our psyche and our society. People are just reacting to this overwhelming sense of loneliness. The difference between the word alone and the word lonely is like a universe Mm. through his entire life. The life of Jesus, in so many ways, he was alone. But it doesn't seem like until the Garden of Gethsemane and then his time on the cross where he truly felt lonely. Mm where he sensed that the deepest relationships within his life was suddenly being stripped away. Mm-hmm. It was soul-destroying in a lot of ways. And we have to acknowledge the fact that Jesus the man went through a total deconstruction as a person on the way to the cross and on the cross. Mm-hmm. And we can't even fathom the depths of that kind of sacrifice mm-hmm. he made for us. And yet, as Paul says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Even in his despair of what he was going through and the sense of personal loss of his father in the moment, he still knew what was ahead. Mm -hmm. He had a hope that was anchored sure in the promise of his father to him. Right, right. And he could endure the most unimaginable things because of that. We have a hard time getting out of the house and going shopping at this point (laughs) based upon our isolation or our fear or the crushing grief that we've been going through because of things we've lost that we were not expecting to lose. Yeah, sure. Even the loss of our innocence, if we face this pandemic, assuming it was nothing, and now it is. Mm -hmm. I want to turn to the scripture, of course, but it's the title of this article I want to start with, because that seems to be at the heart of where America and the rest of the world, in a lot of ways, is. It's an article by a columnist named David Brooks, and he's a gentle conservative in that he looks at life through a conservative lens and admits that as much, but also looks at real people and real situations. And then his faith has been awakened in the past few years. And his title, his last commentary was, America is falling apart at the seams. Hmm. That seems a bit harsh, but nonetheless, I think it's a painful truth that we need to really examine this loneliness, this isolation, it brings out a sense of loss of control as well. Maybe that's the point that this writer is trying to make. So many people feel completely out of control of their environment that in any way possible that they can regain control, they're grasping at that. You know, the whole idea of being told what to do, Mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of an independent people. We don't want to be told what to do. We've been told we're independent. This is true. We've been raised in a culture that values that above all else. When we're told you can't go here or you can't go there or you must do this or you must do that, we rebel against it. It's an inclination that we have to rebel against authority. And somehow that's a virtue every time. I do think that that's what we're told. Maybe not explicitly told. But it's what we're led to believe about our culture. And if he's right, that America is falling apart at the seams, like a garment being rent, Mm -hmm. a blanket being torn, it's no longer useful as a blanket to cover us. Mm -hmm. You know, a tree doesn't know where it's going to fall. It can't control the actions of a human being that's trying to cut it down. As people, we do have a choice, even at the last second. We may be falling, but we still have ankles. We can fall a direction. Mm. What I'm trying to get at here is I want us to find a way to fall toward something. To fall toward the cross and not away from salvation. The redemption of our days. The place of our understanding of our integrity and our purpose. Our identity in Christ. I want us to be able to at least, even if everything else seems impossible, at least fall that direction. Find him and his mercy over us. Mm -hmm. That's my hope. Yeah. Let's read a few excerpts if we can from this article dated January 13th, 2022. 
Well, he talks a lot about statistics in this article. He brings up right at the beginning is the number of miles Americans drove in 2020 fell 13% because of the pandemic. Now, right. that's that's logical. That makes total sense. Far fewer people are going to work each day. However, the number of traffic deaths rose by 7%. That seems odd that one would rise and the other would fall. Mm-hmm. Why is that? He tries to ascertain why that would be. Are Americans driving more recklessly? And I, I think it goes back to that sense of out of control. Distraction. What, just distracted. And yeah. I don't know what's going on. And, and feeling fear, a lot of fear and being feeling unsafe. He believes that people have been driving under the influence of mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol and speeding and failure to wear a seatbelt. Just reckless behavior. I don't know if people maybe have the attitude of, well, you know, if the pandemic doesn't kill me, I'm going to decide my own fate kind of thing. And that's sad to me. That's a sad state of affairs. Each country kind of has its own personality. I would say America is an angry drunk. Mm. If we're going to be intoxicated with our own rage or our own frustration, we're going to get angry. Yeah. It just seems to be like that is the baseline for us as a nation right now. Yeah. Which tells me it's not just about the pandemic. It's about a lot of other issues that are compiling here. And if you've ever been yelled at by somebody who's really mad about something else, in your sense, you know, this is not about me. Right. And that's what David Brooks is trying to get to with the personality, the the psyche of America. Yeah. Well, he also mentions the rate of disruptive behavior in schools. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know that most students were not able to go in person for a majority of 2020 and some of 2021 as well. So then they're back in school and their feeling of being out of control as well is, is hitting the classroom. Teachers are stretched beyond their ability to cope in so many areas. And as so are many nurses places. and doctors in our hospitals. Uh, you know, it's something I noticed when I was out there in California for this wedding. Average speeds. You know, when you're up on the freeway, it was really clear sailing in the middle of 2021 when I was out there last time. People were somewhat back to work. The average speed I was driving on the freeways at the time was about 65 to 70. This time around, the average speed we were seeing on the freeway it was about 78 to 80 miles an yeah, hour. Yeah, it was a little scary. It was just whipping bias the entire time. Yeah. It's like the state itself is saying, so what? They're not going to catch me. Everybody's just got to blow off some steam here. Right. Just try to pull me over. Well, it felt frantic, for it sure. Did. Frantic was a good word for what I saw, not yeah. just on the freeways, but yeah. around us. Well, he also goes on to say that the Institute for Family Studies published an essay called The Drug Epidemic Just Keeps Getting Worse, and it notes that drug deaths have also risen. Hmm. For more than 20 years, it's been going up and up and up, but especially during the pandemic. And in 2020, the essay observed that black deaths from overdose exceeded the rate of the white community. That was concerning to them. And that rate of drug consumption and deaths within the black community actually been going down for the past 20 years yeah. until the pandemic. Right, right. There's also a rise in hate crimes mm. and no just about that. anger and attacking other people, targeting those around them. And we've seen that it's been mostly toward the black community. Gun purchases have soared. More than 2 million firearms were bought in 2021. Is it that one year? Yes. 80% spike in gun purchases over a period of one year. Which tells you a lot about how many weapons are floating around in America. Mm -hmm. The use of those firearms and the mistaken use or the accidents that go with those firearms Mm -hmm. went up much, much faster than that. And Mm -hmm. not just from those who were not knowledgeable of how to handle their weapons. The amount of weapons that were being brandished and being used either in crimes or in confrontations and interpersonally in families went way up, Mm -hmm. which tells us that tempers are not under control. This article just goes on to talk about substance abuse among teens. There are some bright notes in there. If there's any group in America that seems to be responding with, I've got to choose differently, 
It's been teenagers. That's true. The use of drugs in teenagers, as far as I can tell by actual data, not just people talking about it, seems to be going down, which may be a matter of access. It could be a matter of people saying, the world's going crazy here. I don't need to be part of it. So if I'm going to rebel against something at my young age, Mm -hmm. why not rebel against this? And that brings me to another point. If we're going to go beyond this article and talk about the spiritual situation of our churches, what does rebellion mean for young people now within the faith? Mm. All of these trends that David Brooks is looking at depresses him, and he readily missed that. He looks at it and says, where's the hope in this? Mm -hmm. His very last line of his article was, as a columnist, I'm supposed to have some answers, but I just don't right now. I just know the situation is dire. When somebody who studies mankind and makes a living doing this, where his only job is to be a student of humanity and to be able to express it well, when he's stumped and has nothing good to throw us at the end of an article like this, that line hit me. Yeah. Well, we look to our journalists and mm-hmm. our authors and our deep thinkers to help us out in these times. We look to them to, to give us some answers to how to respond to situations that we face every day. And when someone as well-read as this man says, I have no idea, I don't know what to do, it is concerning to us. And you know, we did a series on the book of Ecclesiastes a couple of years ago, and we focused in on what the prophet king was saying, what the reader seems to be understanding, and what God is saying through all of it that there's three voices in this conversation of the book of Ecclesiastes. We were just kind of stunned as we really got down to brass tacks here of how much nihilism was in the king. Yeah. How much despair he had at even trying to do anything worthwhile. What's there left to consider? What's good left in life? After all these things I've accomplished, what's left over? Vanity. vanity. He says it's worthless. It's like futile. Why did I even start this? It's his attitude. Not a realistic assessment of his accomplishments or his place in the world, but simply his feelings. All he was dealing with was what he felt in that situation. He just felt lost. He felt unmoored. He felt like the grave is coming too quick. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything to stop it. What's the point? And you and I, after finding him in that condition, asked ourselves, why is this book even in the Bible? And yet some of the key passages in there seem to be some of the most comforting and the most penetrating verses we keep with us at the most troubling times in life. Yeah, it's true. Because they're true. And yet we see even the king can't speak these words as being true for himself. Sometimes, honey, when I'm in a place of despair, when I'm feeling like I just don't know what to do, the only place I have to go is to the Word of God. I have to go to the rock of my salvation, the stone that the builders rejected. I mean, I have to go to that place, to that stronghold, to that tower. And I know we've talked about that just recently on Mm -hmm. the broadcast. That strong tower that is our refuge and our strength. I always go back to Psalms. The book of Psalms is such a great book for getting our emotions out, for really speaking honestly before God. What better way is there to come before the Lord in honesty than to just speak Scripture? The Word itself has to come before the Father sometimes. Mm -hmm. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane throws himself on the ground, bleeding from his very skin, asking God for relief. This is the Word of God itself, pleading within itself. If there's any other way to get through this, let me get through it differently. But if even he has to plead Mm -hmm. and seek for relief in the middle of his misery, how much more are we going to have to do that very thing? We have to look at the humanity of Christ and say, he truly did feel everything we will ever feel. He was so inundated with emotion at that time, and the fear, the anger, the trepidation, it was all heaping on him at that time, and he had to bring it before the Father. He knew, I believe, that that's really the only place we can go when all of those feelings, all of those emotions are overwhelming us. Yeah. 
Here's a few thoughts. Where is contentment in times like these? I am mm-hmm. actually asking our listeners out there to consider these things and to answer them for themselves. Mm-hmm. Can there be peace in the world? Can there be peace for me in this world? When will things get better? And like we've heard a zillion people ask over the past few months, when can we get back to normal? Mm. I think those are questions that need to be asked individually to God, honestly, and let him actually answer those questions as he sees fit. The answer he puts in your heart may be the very thing you need to hear right now to get you through the next day. In fact, I I believe it will be. That doesn't mean that the answer and the way God chooses to answer you is going to be exactly the same as it is for me. Mm -hmm. But I do believe his answers are personal and are productive. Yeah. There's no doubt that we're weary. We know that at the bottom of our hearts that we should all be doing better at this, whatever this is now. (laughs) But we're pretty sure that we're not. And I think what David Brooks is getting to in his article, we know we ought to be better at this, or that we should be trying at least to do better. But we're all feeling in a lot of ways spiritually tired. Mm -hmm. So what's going on? I'll make an observation, but it's not an answer. I would simply say that in this generation, we've somehow decided to normalize anger and blame. Shifting off to somebody else our rage, our frustration, and blaming it on anybody but ourselves. We've unbridled our own tongues. Mm. And we see that all around us. On Facebook, on flags, people fly in their front yards. In front of houses where we know Christian families live, fly flags that literally curse people. Mm-hmm. That's a reality. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it all across our country. Somehow we have made it a virtue to speak our minds, even if what our mind is speaking is something the scripture itself says don't do. Yeah. And yet we have justified ourselves. It's not that we're here to shame anybody. I don't want to be pouring shame on any person or any body of people within our country or within our faith. But what I am saying is shame is not the answer here, but the truth is. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to take us back to the word and see what God himself has to show us. Is there another way? Has the world and the church gone through this before? And here's my answer to that question. You bet it has. Hmm. Truth is something we need to pursue right now. The sources we listen to throughout the day, they're not the filter through which we see truth. Truth itself has got to come at us and say, you need to see what the world has to say through me. Yeah, I read a quote earlier today that said, we all have a devotional time. That's mm, true. What that devotional time looks like varies. Some of it is sitting with the Word of God. Some of us sit with the news channels. The Word of Man. And we have to choose which that's going to be and what we're going to listen to. which we devote ourselves, yes. Yeah. Okay. So if we're going to devote ourselves to truth, one single source is not going to cut it if it's anything but the Word of God. And in the family of God, we need to be getting an abundance of counselors around us to make sure that the Word of God agrees and the voices we hear agree with the Word of God. But we've mm-hmm. got to know what the Word is and start with Him. Yeah. We've got a couple of passages we wanted to read to you quickly, and it comes from Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. This is the church, by the way, it was going through what we feel like we're going through today. Mm. They literally were. They were isolated and marginalized. They were being physically, politically, and legally persecuted. At the end of that, knowing that these people that he's writing this letter to might well be in jail by the time he sends this letter and they receive it. They might even be dead. He might be writing a letter to the survivors, not to the people he intended to write to. Mm. This is what Paul says. Be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let your joy overflow, and let gentleness be seen in every relationship, for our Lord is ever near. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about anything. 
Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. Tell Him every detail of your life. Then God's wonderful peace that transcends human understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Keep your thoughts continually fixed on all that is authentic and real, honorable and admirable, beautiful and respectful, pure and holy, merciful and kind, and fasten your thoughts on every glorious work of God, praising Him always. That's His admonition to them, and it's His exhortation, it's His encouragement, it's all packed together in one. Basically what it's saying is, let it filter through Jesus. Mm-hmm. It can't go to God the Father, as we would say, a drink offering to Him without first being filtered. Mm-hmm. we got to take it to God through Christ Jesus. We have a lot of ground-up bitterness in our lives. To follow the analogy a little farther, we have a cup of coffee every morning as we get ready for our work. If we just took those grounds and stuffed them in our mouth and chomped on them for a while, it would not be a pleasant experience, nor would it be productive. It would be a bitter thing, and it might give us some caffeine, but it's just not what the whole thing was meant to be. Mm-hmm. We put it in a filter. We put hot water over that thing. We literally distill out of it what can be distilled out that is pleasurable to us and is helpful because it gives you some water at least. That very image of the drink offering, we do this for ourselves to give us a start on the day. What are we pouring into the filter of Jesus that God's going to receive from us? Mm. It can be bitter. It's got to be real is the point. Whatever it really is, is a thing we ought to put through Jesus and let him sort it out so that what we present to God the Father is something that he says, I am well pleased with what I've received. Yeah. And he pours back his blessing on us. Well, we read in Psalm nineteen fourteen, these are the words that are in my mouth. These are what I chew on and pray to you. <laughs> Accept them when I place them on the morning altar. O God, my altar rock, God, the priest of my altar and redeemer. These are the words that we're chewing on. And I want to go to the scripture in James chapter 3 that says, With the tongue we bless the Lord and also curse men, and this should not be so. He's saying like in the same utterance, like with the same breath, you can do one and the other. Right. And this goes back to what you were saying earlier. Whatever's in your heart comes out of your mouth a lot of times. And so we need to replace those things. And we're allowing the anger and the bitterness and the confusion and the frustration and the rage to overwhelm us at so many points of our lives that we can't distinguish between the two. We can't distinguish between the profane and the holy. We need to be able to do that. This shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that out of the same mouth comes a blessing and a curse. It shouldn't be that way. To hearken to another chorus we sang as children in Bible school, there's a flag flown high from the castle of my heart that the king is at residence there. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's some flags that need to be lowered down in your lives, friends, and some other ones that need to be hoisted up that pole. Mm. I'll leave you with that image as we close today. We love you. We thank you for spending a little time in the Word with us and a little time in the living room looking at the world and at our hearts. This is what we want to do on Compassion Radio and be useful to you in that way. We bring you news from the world, what God's doing out there, and we also bring you what we can in our team to encourage you in the walk you're walking right now. Our prayers are with you, and we thank you for joining us today on Compassion Radio. Though your body lay weary from wasting, and your eyes show the sorrow they've had. Your heart is not tasting Has opened the gate Be ye glad
Remember, none of this is possible without you. If you believe hearing the good news from the front lines of faith builds your faith, then let us know today. We're busy right now helping with immediate needs in Ukraine. Help us help them today with your gift. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.